Chapter number forty five of April's Lady. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Linda Marie Nielsen, Vancouver, B.C. April's Lady by Margaret Wolfe Hungerford. Chapter forty five. The name of the slough was Despond. Dancing is going on in the small drawing-room. A few night broghams are still arriving, and young girls, accompanied by their brothers only, are making the room look lovely. It is quite an impromptu affair, quite informal. Dickie Brown, altogether in his element, is flitting from flower to flower, saying beautiful nothings to any of the girls who are kind enough or silly enough to waste a moment on so irreclaimable a butterfly. He is not so entirely engrossed by his pleasing occupations, however, as to be lost to the more serious matters that are going on around him. He is specially struck by the fact that Lady Swansdown, who had been in charming spirits all through the afternoon and afterward at dinner, is now dancing a great deal with Beauclerk, of all people, and making herself apparently very delightful to him. His own personal belief up to this had been that she detested Beauclerk, and now to see her smiling upon him and favoring him with waltz after waltz upset Dickie's power of penetration to an almost fatal extent. I wonder what the deuce she is up to now, says he to himself, leaning against the wall behind him, and giving voice unconsciously to the thoughts within him. Eh? says somebody in his ear. He looks round hastily to find Miss Maliphant has come to anchor on his left, and that her eyes, too, are directed on Beauclerk, who, with Lady Swansdown, is standing at the lower end of the room. A to you, says he brilliantly. I always rather fancied that Mr. Beauclerk and Lady Swansdown were antipathetic, says Miss Maliphant, in her usual heavy, downright way. There was room for it, says Mr. Brown gloomily. For it? Your fancy. Yes, so I think. Lady Swansdown has always seemed to me to be rather, rather a... Decidedly so, agrees Mr. Brown. As for Beauclerk, he is quite too dreadfully rather, don't you think? I don't know, I am sure. He has often seemed to me a little light, but only on the surface. You've read him, says Mr. Brown, with a confidential nod. Light on the surface, but deep, deep, as a draw well. I don't think I mean what you do, says Miss Maliphant quickly. However, we are not discussing Mr. Beauclerk, beyond the fact that we wonder to see him so genial with Lady Swansdown. They used to be thoroughly antagonistic, and now— 
why they seem quite good friends don't they quite thick eh with her usual graceful phraseology thick as thieves in valambrosia says mr brown with increasing gloom miss maliphant turns to regard him doubtfully leaves suggests she thieves persists he immovably ah oh ah it's a joke perhaps says she the doubt growing mr brown fixes a stern eye upon her is thy servant a dog says he and stalks indignantly away leaving miss maliphant in the throes of uncertainty yet i am sure it wasn't the right word says she to herself with a wonderful frown of perplexity however i may be wrong often i am and after all spain we're told is full of em whether thieves or leaves she doesn't explain and presently her mind wanders entirely away from mr brown's moddering to the subject that so much more nearly interests her beauclerk has not been quite so impressé in his manner to her to-night not so altogether delightful he has indeed it seems to her shirked her society a good deal and has not been so assiduous about the scribbling of his name upon her card as usual and then this sudden friendship with lady swansdown what does he mean by that what does she mean if she had only known if the answer to her latter question had been given to her her mind would have grown easier and the idea of lady swansdown in the form of a rival would have been laid at rest for ever as a fact lady swansdown hardly understands herself to-night that scene with her hostess has upset her mentally and bodily and created in her a wild desire to get away from herself and from baltimore at any cost some idle freak has induced her to use beauclerk who is detestable to her as a safeguard from both and he unsettled in his own mind and eager to come to conclusions with joyce and her fortune has lent himself to the wiles of his wildom foe and is permitting himself to be charmed by her fascinating if vagrant mood perhaps in all her life lady swanston has never looked so lovely as to-night excitement and mental disturbance have lent a dangerous brilliancy to her eyes a touch of color to her cheek there is something electric about her that touches those who gaze on her and warms herself that a crisis is at hand up to this she has been able to elude all baltimore's attempts at conversation has refused all his demands for dance yet this same knowledge that the night will not go by without a denouement of some kind between her and him is terribly present to her to-night the last night she will ever see him in all human probability the exaltation that enables her to endure this thought 
is fraught with such agony that brave and determined as she is it is almost too much for her yet she isabel she should learn that old friendship between them was no fable to-night it would bear fruit false she believed her well she should see in a way she clung to beauclerk as a means of escaping baltimore throwing out a thousand wiles to charm him to her side and succeeding three times she had given a smiling no to lord baltimore's demand for a dance and regardless of opinion had flung herself into a wild and open flirtation with beauclerk but it is growing toward midnight and her strength is failing her these people will they never go will she never be able to seek her own room and solitude and despair without calling down comment on her head and giving isabel that cold woman the chance of sneering at her weakness a sudden sense of the uselessness of it all has taken possession of her her heart sinks it is at this moment that baltimore once more comes up to her this dance says he it is halfway through you are not engaged i suppose as you are sitting down may i have what remains of it she makes a little gesture of acquiescence and rising places her hand upon his arm end of chapter forty five recording by linda marie nielsen vancouver b c